Have you ever said this? I believe, but help my unbelief. Well, at the bottom of the mountain of transfiguration, Jesus lends into a father who says those words. And it's an issue of faith and an issue of the power of God. And it's today on Walk in Truth Radio. Welcome to Walk in Truth with Michael Lance. Walk in Truth is a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. Can you imagine going into a a situation where you're dealing with an unseen force that has more power and it's scarier than anything you've ever dealt with and you go in there and you don't, wait a minute, you don't pray? But how many things have you and I done where we've become so used to formulas and things that work for us that we don't pray about it anymore? You know, prayer is our central communion with heaven. When we pray, that's when heaven is enlisted. When we pray, that's when evil is resisted. But if we don't pray, no power. And I'll tell you, it's a mystery and it's a discipline because to get on your knees and pray to God who is spirit is not an easy thing. It takes faith to pray. Faith is an act of obedience. Uh, Prayer is an act of obedience. Prayer is an admission of my dependency. Anne Graham Lotz, daughter of Ruth and Billy Graham, tells about her mother. She says, what my mother taught me and that which I seek to pass on to her grandchildren is that God is enough, period. Growing up, I had a bedroom directly over hers. No matter what time I went to bed at night, I could see the light from her room reflected in the trees outside. Were I to slip downstairs, I would find her on her knees beside her bed. There was no use waiting for her to rise. She would be there in prayer for hours at a time. No matter what time I arose in the morning, I would see the light from her room. When I arrived downstairs, she'd be at her desk reading one of 14 different Bible translations that she had. She says she knew God well. Is God enough? You know, we get into all of our formulas and our bullet point lists about what we should do. Look, we've got to start with the one who can actually do something about our situation. Is your marriage in trouble? Your faith in trouble? Have you, you know, hit hit a crossroads in your life? Just go back to the one who can deal with all those things. Jesus called this a faithless generation. And then he said, how long shall I be with you? Look at verse 19. I love Jesus. This, this gives me reason to talk sometimes the way I talk. How long shall I put up with you? <laughs> and then Jesus says, bring him to me. I want a video room in heaven because I want to see the way Jesus said things. I have an idea of how he said things, but it's like, you know, to paraphrase, Jesus had really moments like, really? (laughs) Didn't that give you hope? Bring the kid to me. Get out of the way, you sissies. (laughs) I mean, that's it. Praise God. I mean, it's awesome. a crooked generation. And they brought the boy to him, verse 20, and when he saw him, immediately the spirit threw him into a convulsion and falling to the ground, he began rolling about 
rolling around and foaming at the mouth. The spirit inside the boy went, uh-oh. <laughs> There's the one that's powerful. See, the demons knew who he was. This is a last-ditch effort. I'm going to get him on the ground again. Get the foaming machine going. Sorry, I don't mean to be glib. This boy's living like an animal. I read a commentary this week that shared the real-life story of Thomas Sullivan, recorded in the Chicago Tribune. The studious boy, within a matter of weeks, became involved in the occult and Satan worship. He stabbed his own mother, set fire to the house, hoping to kill his father and brother, then cut his own throat and wrists with his Boy Scout knife and died outside in the bloody snow. Within a matter of weeks of opening the door to satanic darkness. You don't believe it's real? I don't know what page of the Chicago Tribune that story was on. But that's the kind of stuff we don't want to talk about. A Boy Scout shattered. And so Jesus, in verse 21, asked the father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. I don't, I don't know that if this is Jesus asking for clarification. I think this is a divine appointment like so many we've read about in the Gospels. I think Jesus knows the father's pain and has come down from the mountain to deliver his boy when no one else could. And that's what he did for you and me. He came down because no one else could help us. Do you believe it? That's why he left his glory. He did it for you. God so loved the world. Paul said he loved me and he gave himself up for me. Hey, leaving the glory of heaven was a pretty big step down. Being born in Bethlehem in a cave was a pretty big step down. He did it for me and you. He says it's often thrown him 22 both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. I'm sure that this had to be a very tough, caretaking situation. Can you imagine the people they needed around this boy just to deal with a day? They never knew when the spirit would convulse him and try to throw him into a fire or into a body of water. And, you know, scholars have pointed out that Satan's goal is always to disfigure and dehumanize people. And the father says, if you can do anything, take pity. Take pity on us and help us. I think this father is like done. And Jesus said to him, 23, if you can, would you like to restate the question? <laughs> Do you know who you're talking to, sir? If you can? Jesus says all things are possible to him who believes. Trust me, is what Jesus is saying to the man. I just want to tell you that God does not respond from challenge. All right, just show me a miracle and I'll believe. Have you ever heard, you know, heard an atheist and a theist debating and the atheist says, if there's a God, may he strike me with lightning right now. And the Christian scholar goes. <laughs> it's only the grace of God that God doesn't answer that prayer. Although sometimes I wish he would. <laughs> Sorry. Did the pastor just say that? <laughs> just do a few of them. Anyway, sorry. 
God is so gracious. How many times did we raise our fist up at heaven? Like a little pipsqueak. If you're really real. <laughs> Somebody said, your arms are too short to box with God, brother. Come on. Be like an ant challenging you. You know, come on. What would you do? <laughs> God doesn't. At least most of the time. <laughs> God doesn't respond to challenge. He responds to contrition. Thus says the high and exalted one, Isaiah 57, 15, who lives forever, whose name is holy. I dwell on a high and holy place and also with the contrite and lowly of spirit in order to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. Contrition, literally in Hebrew, means to be crushed. You know what God responds to? When a person is broken. He is near to the, what? Broken hearted. And Jesus is like, if you can, uh-uh. All things are possible. And some of our friends in the Word Faith Camp say, you see? How many things are possible with God? All things. So, pray for a shiny black new Cadillac in the name of Jesus. Because the Bible just said that all things are what? Possible. So if all things are possible, right, then I'm going to pray for whatever I want, <laughs> right? So if I, if I tag the name of Jesus on a prayer, then I should get that thing I want, right? Wrong. Would you look ahead to Mark 14? All prayer is still under the sovereignty of God. Mark 14, look at verse 35. I know this bothers some people because we read some of these things and we say, well, then shouldn't anything I pray for happen? Well, let's read Mark 14, 35. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane went a little beyond them. The night before he dies, he's praying and he fell to the ground, Mark 14, 35, and began to pray that if it were possible, the hour might pass him by. Notice his prayer, Mark 14, 36. He was saying, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. Yet, what does he say? Not what I will, but what you will. Look, all things are possible with God, but he's not gonna do all things because it's his will, not my will. Now, some people say, oh, if you tag your prayer with your will be done, that's a cop-out. You're not really walking in faith. No, you are walking in faith. What you're actually saying is, I'm praying about this thing, Lord, but if this is not your will, please don't let it happen because I don't want to do anything outside of God's will. That's what a Christian believes. I don't want to do one thing that's outside his will. But what if I'm in a tough spot? What if God has me on a stretcher right now. What do I do then? Well, Jesus was on the stretcher in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he said, Father, all things are possible for you, and I do want this cup to be removed, but if the cup of suffering and the wrath of God was removed, you and I would be in hell. Aren't you glad God didn't answer that prayer? Aren't you glad the Father said, Son, this is the way? I know you don't want to go to the cross. I know you don't want to deal with the shame, but this is the way. 
you're going to pay for their sins. You see, that's when faith really kicks in. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that's their Babylonian names. They were Hebrew males. They're they're there. There's a huge 90-foot colossal statue that Nebuchadnezzar, for you VeggieTale fans. Anybody watch VeggieTales anymore? Oh, you, you still do. Okay, his name is Nebuchadnezzar, but in VeggieTales, he's called Nebuchadnezzar. Or as the little dude in the, some of the cartoons says, hey, boss. So, but, eh, never mind. So anyway. Do you want to be able to defend your faith, what you believe in, why you believe it? We've tackled subjects like Jehovah's Witnesses, the origins of Christmas. In honor of the 500th year of the Reformation, we did a two-part message on sola scriptura. Is the Bible alone sufficient? Is it our highest authority? Scientology, intriguing topics that are available on the Walk in Truth store at walkintruth.com. There'll be more to come, more exciting things to come. So he's, he's made this colossal golden statue to honor himself in the plain of Dura. He's brought all these people groups, all his servants and slaves, all the bigwigs are out there. He's got an orchestra. And he says, when the band plays, everybody's gonna bow before my statue, okay? Okay, strike the band. Well... Everybody goes down when the music starts playing. This huge mass of humanity has bowed before Nebuchadnezzar's idol, except three Hebrew, probably teenagers. And the little dude that serves Nebi says, hey boss, those three guys that are elevating in your cabinet, they don't bow to your statue. We've got a problem. So Nebuchadnezzar addresses them and says, Okay, boys, I don't know if we have a failure to communicate here. However, I like you guys, so let's try it again. When the band plays, everybody's going to bow, including you three, okay? Band plays. Uh Uh-uh. And they address, this is Daniel 3, 17 through 19. They say, Nebuchadnezzar, King Nebuchadnezzar, let it be known to you. We are not going to bow before your statue. We believe that God can deliver us and will deliver us from the furnace of fire that you have created here. But even if he doesn't, you want to talk about faith? We believe he can. We believe he will. But even if he doesn't, we are not bowing before your statue. And the Bible says that Nebuchadnezzar's face was altered. And he said, heat the furnace up seven times hotter. As one writer put it, just in case the Hebrew God can only deliver people from normally heated furnaces. (laughs) And we know the story, right? They went into the fiery furnace and there was a fourth. And as it says in VeggieTales, when the little dude looks in there and he says, There's a fourth one in there, boss, and he's real shiny. (laughs) Yep. Everything is possible for him who believes. Look, God does honor faith, but not presumptuous faith. We're not bossing God around here on the planet. We're supposed to be aligning ourselves with heaven's priorities, and heaven's priorities are not always mine. That's why I have to check myself in prayer. I do pray all the time, Lord, I believe everything is possible for you because you made all this stuff. But I also believe that I need to pray not my will, 
Let yours be done. I don't know what you're doing here. I don't know why this has been going on so long, but I have a feeling you're about to do something for your own purposes, and I can't see everything, and of the percentage of knowledge that exists in the universe, I'm not sure what percentage I actually possess in my 50 years on this planet, but I'm sure it's not a huge chunk of the pie. Amen? You ever asked an atheist who thinks they know everything, and I just showed up, I'm, I'm 16. <laughs> I've determined that, uh, you know, it's like, what? How much of the percentage of knowledge do you think you have? And the famous response from the boy's father. The boy's father cried out and began saying, verse 24, I do believe. Help my unbelief. You know what, folks? As much as I am talking about faith this morning, I will tell you I've said that more times than I can count. And I want to give you some hope this morning. I'm a man of faith, but I've said that many times. I think this is a very hopeful Bible verse. I think it's a very honest Bible verse. And I think if we didn't say it and we were still thinking it, God would know anyway, so why not just say it? I would be careful how you address God, no doubt. But there's been times when I've encountered a situation and I said, Lord, I don't know what's going on. Another interview I heard this last week, woman, um, was it Timothy McVeigh that destroyed the, uh, what was the building again? The federal building. And uh, she lost two grandchildren in that. Uh, both both uh, little boys killed. She said she didn't even know how to process things. They she, as I recall the story, she said that one of her sons went running into the rubble and found uh, one of the grandsons that was dead, and then, uh, then they found the other one, or the other one was rushed to the hospital, but they had to put two little caskets into the ground. And she said, I was a Christian, but I didn't even know what to do anymore. She said, I didn't even know if there was a God. I didn't know what was going on. But... But at the end of that story, she says, and this was years later, of course, she says, uh, I've learned some things about the Lord. And I'm not telling you that was an easy time in my life, but I'm telling you that God has even redeemed that. And she said, now, you know, she has, uh, she told the numbers, like 13 grandchildren, and she said, and I got two more in heaven, and I'm going to see them soon. She said, it wasn't God that did that to us. Timothy McVeigh blew up that building you see, we're going to go through faith draining and challenges, challenging experiences, but Abraham grew strong in faith, Romans 4.20. There's some people that are weak in faith, Romans 14.1. We're supposed to encourage one another in our most holy faith. We're supposed to encourage one another to love and good deeds, and there's going to be seasons when my faith is high and yours is low, and seasons when yours is low and mine is high or whatever, and that's when we're going to need the church to stand with each other in faith. Sometimes it's just going to be a matter of saying, don't give up. In Luke 17, Jesus said, be on your guard. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. If he sins against you seven times a day and returns to you seven times and says, I repent, forgive him. And in a famous response, Luke 17, 5, the apostle said to the Lord, Lord, increase our faith. <laughs> Luke 17, 5. What challenges your faith the most? Just think about it for a second. What challenges your faith the most? Things that are hard to figure out what God is doing. Maybe there's a broken relationship. 
Maybe it's what God asks of you. If your brother sins against you seven times and comes to you and says, I'm sorry, you're supposed to forgive him all seven, not five of seven, <laughs> all seven times. And that's when I say, Lord, increase my faith. I believe that Bible verse, but, <laughs> amen, help <laughs> my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that the crowd was rapidly gathering, he rebuked 25, the unclean spirit, saying to him, you deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and do not enter him again. And after crying out and throwing him into terrible convulsions, it came out. And the boy became so much like a corpse that most of them said, he's dead. He's dead. Can you imagine the crowd? Remember, imagine the scribes jumping on this one. You see, he's no healer. The boy's dead. Can you imagine being the dad? And Jesus took him by the hand, 27. And he raised him up. He lifted him. Lifted him up, New King James, and he got up and he rose. Can you imagine being the boy's dad? I knew it. I knew it wasn't going to work. <laughs> Can you imagine the boy? He is probably burned from burn marks, disfigured. I don't know if his whole being was normalized again. I don't know, but I, again, I want video. Can you imagine? This is a type of the resurrection. The devil has come to kill, steal, and destroy. I came that they might have what? Life and have it to the full. And he comes and he pulls us up out of the cesspool of sin and the mess that we create and the, the lies and the tactics of the evil one. The demon was dashing him to the ground, throwing him into convulsions. But Jesus healed the boy, Luke 9, 42, and it says he gave him back to his father. And Jesus comes down from heaven, from the glory of heaven to this earth to bring dead people back to life and give them back to his father. Has he done that for you? Done it for me. I was dead in my trespasses and sins. No true life. I was walking around, but I didn't have life. And you know what he did? He reached down the hand and he said, I'm going to bring life to you. It's changed me forever. Almost now, three decades of walking with him and I'm never the same. You see, Jesus is enough and when you come into the house, we're almost done, and we're going to prepare our hearts for communion so if the ushers can get ready for that. When you come into the house, his disciples began questioning him privately, and they said, why could we not cast it out? 29, Mark 9. He said to them, this kind cannot come out by anything but what? But prayer. Alexander McLaren said, it is often our God-given duty to attempt tasks to which we are conspicuously inadequate in the confidence that he who gives them has laid on us, to, laid them on us to drive us to himself and there to find sufficiency. The best preparation of his servants for their work in the world is the discovery that their own stores are small. And Jesus in Matthew 17, 20 said, you couldn't do it because of the littleness of your faith. For truly I say to you, if you have the faith of a mustard seed, it's not about the size of your faith, it's even a little bit of faith. You shall say to this mountain, Move from here to there and it shall move and nothing shall be impossible for you. I don't know what mountains you're facing right now, but Jesus says, this kind only comes out by prayer. The New King James adds prayer and fasting in some of the different manuscripts. In Luke 9, 45, 
943 concludes that all the people were amazed at the majesty of God. And I want to just, I'm going to give you a preview of what's coming. So think about everything that's happened and just read these next few verses with very little commentary. But actually, the next three verses are Jesus reiterating that he's going to die. They were afraid to ask him. And then as you keep reading on in the text, in Mark 9, they start arguing about which one of them I'm even embarrassed to say it. They, they come away from this whole scene and they get in an argument about, <laughs> y'all know what's coming, right? Which one of them is the... Wait, wait a minute. Do, don't you think that their argument should have been about how great Jesus is? Like, oh, he's this great. No, he's this great. <laughs> oh, but that wasn't what it was about. <laughs> So they're human like us. We come away from spiritual experiences sometimes and we're, we're in an argument about what? Hey, this is Pastor Michael. I want to tell you about a new book that has just come out that I've written. It's called Suit Up, Putting on the Full Armor of God, A Revealing Look at God's Armor. What this book is really about, it's written in a devotional style and it's written to help you, the believer, to put on the full armor of God. One of the things that the armor of God speaks of is protection. And God has provided you armor to protect you against the typical ways that the enemy attacks. You have a belt of truth because the enemy is a liar. Each piece of armor is custom made to help you in the typical ways that the enemy attacks. Each piece of armor reflects God himself. He's the God of truth. He's righteous. He's the God of peace. All the pieces of the armor point to him. And they point to his provision to you, the believer, because he loves you. The reason God wants to protect you is because he's your father. He knows about the spiritual battle. He knows about the enemy. And he knows how you can be best protected and stand strong against temptation. Suit up, putting on the full armor of God. It's now available on Amazon. I want to get this book in your hands because I believe it's going to help you as a Christian to walk in strength to know how to put on the armor daily, to put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh, and to experience more victory in your Christian life. Right now, you can get it on Amazon. It's Suit Up by Pastor Michael Lance. I would urge you to get the book today. Hey folks, it's Pastor Michael. I want to tell you about our store at walkintruth.com. If you click on the store, we have a number of products up there. They're teaching products, DVDs, CDs, books that are available, all to help your walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you purchase a product at our store at walkintruth.com, you help us pay for radio airtime and you partner with us and it's a blessing in both directions. So check it out today. Go to the store, walkintruth.com. Click on it. Click on the store. You'll see a number of different products. That's walkintruth.com. Click on the store today and it'll be a blessing to you. God bless you and we'll catch you next time on the broadcast. Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message in its entirety, or if you'd like to visit our church here in Corona, California, visit our website, walkintruth.com.